podcast is a part of Dear Asian Youth, a youth-led magazine aimed towards Asian activism for Asian youth by Asian youth. Follow us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Dear Asian Youth and at Dear Asian Girl to get updates on all the latest articles, poetry and prose, podcasts, campaigns, and more. Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to uplifting and sharing Asian girls' stories everywhere. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the discrimination within the Asian community. Hey guys, it's Nana and Melissa. Um, Today's episode is about discrimination within the Asian community. And to be honest, I feel like in majority of these episodes, we've always talked about discrimination from like white people, not Asian people. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like this is an important topic because we don't really talk about the layers and, like, the sort of toxic culture within Asians and among Asians. So, yeah, I mean, where to start, like... Yeah. I feel like in America, we're generally just, like, white people group all Asians together. That's so true. But there are, like, so many layers, Mm -hmm. like, and different parts of the Asian American community, um, like, first of all, obviously, geologically, so many different countries, but also, like, different, um, like, cultural backgrounds, different skin tones, like, there's just so many different aspects to the Asian American identity. I feel like there's always this, like, perception that East Asians are, Mm -hmm. like, the better Asians, almost, or like um, the post, mainly like just within Asians. the East Asian American community. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I feel like East Asians view other Asians like negatively, mm-hmm. um, and like in American media too. Like, there's always one token Asian um, in like beauty commercials or like mm-hmm. movies, and it's always an East, East Asian. Asian American and not like a Southern. Southeast Asian American um and I feel like that kind of like contributes to the sense where like other Asians don't feel as like Asian or as like good of an Asian I guess yeah like as as authentic yeah 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 not as authentic as East Asians um for example I know some of my Indian friends like when they have to fill out a form and there's like an option to select like asian american they never select asian american because they're uncomfortable with like calling themselves yeah asian american despite the fact that obviously india is within asia and they Mm -hmm. are asian american technically yeah no i have a good story have you had any experience yeah no i was um talking to my friend and she is like half Chinese, ironically, and half white. And we were just talking, and somehow, like, the topic of strict parents came up. And I was like, oh, haha, Asian parent things, you know, because, like, stereotype or whatnot. And she was like, but you're not Asian. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm Indian. And she was like, I thought you were Venezuelan. I'm like, Venezuela. No, I was confused. I was like, I was like, no, I'm Indian. But she's like, you're still not Asian. I'm like, do I need to pull out a map for you? Yeah. It was so funny. Pull out globe. Period. Yeah. No, I was, it was really uncomfortable, though. Like, there's yeah. some sense of inferiority because I wasn't specifically from China or Definitely. Japan or Korea, yeah. you know? I feel like that stereotype is, like, perpetuated not only by East Asians, but also by, like, Americans as well. Or, for like, sure. American media. 
Um, and like, I know, especially with older generations of East Asians, they do have like negative stereotypes mm-hmm. towards um, Asians, typically because of their skin color, like because they have darker skin color. Um, this kind of like leads back to like what we were talking about colorism yeah. in previous episodes. Um, have you ever like felt that before or have any experiences with that? Yeah, no, I actually saw this TikTok and it was from the, I think it was a Southeast Asian girl who's doing it and she was like so much darker skin, like my skin tone, I would say. Yeah, around that. And she was showing all these images of like these lighter skinned East Asians, like, you know, so called ABGs or whatever. And she was talking, yeah, she was talking about how whenever guys go for Asians or like say they have like a fetish or like are into Asians, they always mean the lighter skinned ones, you know? Because, like, first of all, she was talking about specifically like white boys. And if, like you were saying, like, you know, people who aren't part of the Asian community mm-hmm. will just bunch us either, like, all of our, either, okay, they'll do one of two things. They will either put, like, all Asians into one category, or they will only, like, view East Asians as the existing Asians, or, like, the relevant Asians, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I can't tell you, like, how many times I've heard, like, oh, like, is that Asian? Like, with mm-hmm. Filipinos, with, like, Indians? Yeah white people really just like don't perceive Mm -hmm. um anything other than east asians as like asian or um like you were saying no first of all fetishizing asians disgusting yeah yeah we don't um, condone that yeah yeah we do not condone that but um i think it's like so weird that like they're just specifically talking about east asians and they only like view them as beautiful and i feel like that's kind of the stereotype that america portrays too like oh if you're an east asian like you're still like you're still high up on the beauty standards Mm -hmm. but like there's no representation at all for um southeast asians within like american media or anything like that yeah for sure and we were talking about, like, ads where there's beauty. Like, I feel like tokenism is such a huge thing. Not even just in ads, but, like, movies, you know? Like, ugh, what was an example? During the um that musical theater panel, we were talking to, like, these Asian-American artists, right? Like, that are part of musical theater, you know? Their jobs are, like, dedicated to that. And they have been in scenarios where they have to play, like... Role, like, one of them was um half Japanese, half Korean or something. And she had to play this... um. Chinese role and I feel like again like you know Chinese are like the most like well-known Asians I guess and I feel like there are people that have to play roles from like other parts of Asia because that was unauthentically because that's America's view of it there's only like one type of Asian Uh, and like it sort of perpetuates into like the like the inside of the Asian community where people like you said will feel a disconnect from being Asian if they're South Asian or Southeast Asian Like, Definitely. something that I see happen with, like, a lot of Indian girls specifically is, like, they won't even identify as Asian, like you said. They will, like, pass themselves as, like, Latinx, which is... And, like, then they'll get, like, hate from that, from, like, their other Indian friends, because, like, one huge value within among Asians is, like, being loyal to your family and your culture, yeah. you know? Definitely. So, like, especially from, like, the older generations or, like, older relatives, if they would hear about that, they would, like, give them so much hate. They'd be, like, you have to be true to your culture, even though there's, like, <clears throat> even though, like, a person is struggling and experiencing, like, an emotional disconnect from their culture based on, like, 
what white people perpetuate and what other Asians perpetuate. Right. And this isn't exactly related, but I've often heard, like, white people go, like, oh, I can't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just so... It's just so funny how, like, ignorant they are to the point that they don't even, like, care to learn about, Mm -hmm. like, how there's so many different, like, cultures and identities within, like, the Asian American community. It's not just, like, all Chinese. Uh, I feel like that's also what makes, like you said, like, Southeast Asians feel so disconnected from the Asian American community as a whole, even though we go through like so many similar experiences. First of all, strict parents. Yes. <laughs> we all have extremely strict parents. We all, um, like you said, have loyalty to mm-hmm. our cultural roots, to our family. Um, like the Asian experience is so shared. The Asian American experience is so shared. And yet like we're so disconnected because of like, the stereotypes that have been perpetuated by Mm -hmm. like white people and by like east asians within the asian community yeah for sure no yeah i completely get what you're saying like in terms of like colorism and everything like that perpetuates or like translates into how people are viewed also in like relation to their jobs because i've talked about the caste system and like how people of darker skin were immediately recognized as untouchables because Untouchables basically in the caste system are the ones at the lowest of lowest class because they are working in agriculture, like labor work, and therefore they have darker skin because they're working in the sun. Like it makes sense, you know? And now, because of that, in specifically in India, especially, like darker skinned people or like darker skinned Indians are viewed as the like people with lesser jobs or like less, they're like, less successful. Like, another thing within Asians, like, the toxic culture that we, like, use to discriminate against each other is, like, your job and, like, how much money you make. Because with me, there's, like, a lot of people in my extended family that will, like, hate on each other because, like, one of them has, like, a job owning a restaurant, like, owning a small business instead of being a lawyer or a doctor, you know? And, like, if they have darker skin, too, they will assume that, oh, because they have darker skin, like, that's the reason they're inadequate and, like... Like, they just make that a reason for them, like, make it as an excuse for their, like, inability to be as competent or successful. Um, I haven't felt, obviously, the part about, like, colorism, but I think in general, in the Asian American experience, like, growing up, my dad, ever since I was, like, eight years old, would be like, you have two options Mm -hmm. for, like, a career. You can either be a doctor (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, he'd be like, if you don't, you're going to be a McDonald's worker and homeless. (laughs) Like, treating other jobs. Or like, you're going to get addicted (laughs) to treating other jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, there's no other forms of success but Mm -hmm. like those predetermined, like, doctor, lawyer. Um, And in my family too there's a lot of pettiness when like comparing cousins with each yeah. other comparing like mm-hmm. their children with one another um and like if their child isn't like in a high ranked profession in their opinion then like they get a lot of heat for that honestly mm-hmm. um and it's like it's just like such a toxic culture and i feel like that also just like impacts so many asian americans like mental health in general yeah. um yeah, and I feel like this is also something, like, 
this is also so related to the model minority myth like mm-hmm. oh all asians are like really successful yeah and all of them are like like doctors and lawyers when in fact asian americans have the highest wealth gap um in america which essentially means like the poor asians are really poor and the rich asians are really Really rich rich, but like we only see the success stories you know what i mean like we only hear about the success stories um yeah and then like all other jobs are just viewed as like super terrible and Mm -hmm. bad even if that is what your passion is like art is viewed as like like you cannot touch art i know that's so true yeah it's like literally a zero to a hundred scale yeah like speaking of mental health i feel like another thing that like contributes to the toxic culture of like if someone has like a learning disability like that's like really bad like you know unheard of you know like like, mm -hmm. especially in terms of like academia like personally like i like don't have any learning disabilities and like my dad is like always like really proud of me in terms of school and everything but my brother is like some learning disabilities where like he like some auditory thing where he doesn't like he's not able to react to what like he hears you know, because I'm not exactly sure of the science behind it, but, like, there's this sort of, like, weird lack of, like, there's this weird energy of disappointment or, like, inadequacy surrounding him, and I think that's so bad because Asians will only view people who can do academic jobs as, like, better than those who couldn't do the same things, because, like, my brother wouldn't be able to do things where he can memorize a whole list of facts you need to know to become a lawyer or doctor. He would, like, rather go into something more art-based. Yeah, and I... I understand where, like, this stereotype is perpetuated, obviously, Mm -hmm. because, like, you do want your children to, like, have an easy life and, like, earn money or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, they really just don't consider, like, happiness in general. And I feel like Asians, like, traditional Asians always view happiness as, like, wealth. But that's like so true. That's so for true. A lot yeah. of like in Hinduism, we literally worship and pray for wealth so much. Like we have like freaking five different wealth gods. Like there's <laughs> Lakshmi, Ganesh. Like there's so yeah. many, and like wealth is definitely like a huge yeah. thing. This is kind of like a throwback to like the topics we were talking about earlier. But you've probably heard of this movie, Crazy Rich Asians. Like <laughs> insanely popular and all Asian cast, which is so great. Like I'm really happy that Hollywood did that finally. You know, it took a while, but I'm glad that it's happening. But it was sort of problem not problematic, but it was uncomfortable, I guess, when you're watching it because first of all, the only like mention or like presence of Indians or like any South Asian or Southeast Asian were like the servants or the guards and like we only saw them for like a yeah. split second. While yeah. like the whole movie is revolving around the successful, crazy large, like right. dynasty of these rich East Asians. Right. So like there was yeah. kind of like that weird sense of inferiority that I felt watching that as an Indian. I was like, Oh, I'm the background character amongst all these other Asians that are, like, highly successful, rich, living luxuriously, while I'm an Indian sort of, like, serving that, and especially with, like, the stereotype that, like, Indians are, like, always surrounded by poverty. Like, in terms of the Asian community, I feel like I'm not alone when I speak with, speak about how, like, we can feel inferior and, like, almost insecure about, like, our own wealth backgrounds because of that stereotype, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that movie... I mean, although it was good for, mm-hmm. obviously, Asian representation, yeah, sure. Asian representation, mm-hmm. it, like, had no representation for, like, Southeast Asians, and I feel like, like, the title shouldn't have been, <laughs> wait, no, 
No, yeah, maybe it could have been Crazy Rich Chinese. Yeah. But, like, does <laughs> Crazy Rich Chinese people. Crazy Rich East Asians. Yeah. Like, it doesn't it just had as well, but, yeah. Exactly. Like, it really plays into the stereotype that, like, East Asians are the successful ones. They're the, like, beautiful ones. Yeah. And, like, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit toxic yeah. as well. <laughs> so something else I've noticed is, like, how East Asians will view like southeast asians as undesirable in like dating and in like romance um like they'll be like oh like you're saying abgs yeah (laughs) you'll be like oh my gosh abgs like Mm -hmm. east asians but then they'll like have a completely different view of like southeast asians um and girl i don't know as if if they're not asian themselves too yeah Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that shows just, like, how much racism there really is within the Asian-American community against other Asians, which is kind of, like, ironic, but, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure, because I feel like it's even worse because out of everyone else, like, you know, maybe not white people, like, black people, Latinx people, anyone, I feel like another Asian should acknowledge them and, like, you know, be able to sort of welcome them into, like, the community, but instead it's just, like, a sort of fighting each other and like who has the fair skin who can be more successful you know and it all just goes towards like culture asian culture of like how you have to have this like really good portrayal of just like you just have to portray yourself in your best version possible and like yeah like we were also talking about how like family and like being loyal to your own like culture family is like a huge aspect of asian culture and like the way they relate is because you will, like, really reflect your family based on, like, what you do or how you look. Like, personally, I feel like I have to be lighter skinned and, like, when I grow up, I have to go to, like, an Ivy League college so that I can make my family look as great as I can be, you know? Yeah, And, like, I feel like almost I have to work even harder to be, like, adequate to other East Asians because, like, I'm already, like, surrounded by stereotypes that say, like, you know, I'm poor. Like, okay, this movie, have you heard of Slumdog Millionaire? I have not. So, like, it's basically a movie where, like, they were they just portrayed indians like just as if they were like living around dirt right you know and i feel like that's yeah you know just like as if we were terrible yeah yeah it was was pretty much a was it an american movie movie or no yeah it was a movie made in hollywood i'm pretty i haven't watched it but like i've heard of it and like it's really impacted the way i like view myself in comparison to other asians and it was also really white savior because it was like you know the white people is like the rich you know sophisticated ones compared to like uneducated brown people you know that trope yeah 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 so i think it just goes to show how like the pressure of wanting to like put your best self forward can be really Mm -hmm. influenced by like feeling inadequate compared to other people within your community yeah definitely Hi, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Ariana. Um, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, I am uh, Ari Afsar, a singer, songwriter, and storyteller. All right, so today our topic is hierarchy in the Asian community. And just to like, kickstart this topic and this subject, what are your views on the hierarchy and what are your, some of your experiences? And yeah, we could just start there. Yeah, I'm honestly a little nervous for this conversation. I know that you specifically asked me and then I I kind of like stopped thinking about it for a while. Um, 
and it's so interesting. I need to like take my own advice. I don't feel like I'm an expert on this conversation, but I always say that we don't need an ex. We don't need to be experts in order to engage in conversations and take space and um, owning what our opinions are. Um, I, I think you know it was a it was a specific question which we talked about um, a couple weeks ago. I do believe that there is um, a difference between the hierarchy within uh, specific communities in said specific countries um, compared to then the communities which are all just clumped together as a whole in, in the United States. Um, and in, in that particular instance, actually, there, there's some beauty in it for there's a sense of camaraderie and collaboration and community that's actually here in the US where some of that is actually lost in translation when we go to specific countries, right? Because then there's a hierarchy of what country and there's like a almost a nationalist mentality. But I do think that that is um, probably fairly common within any country. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that that is my main observation and, and um, understanding is the difference between how it is treated and respected and community building and whatnot in the United States compared to uh, abroad. Yeah, so you talk about how it's different for every country, and of course, it makes sense. So have you lived in the United States your whole life, mm -hmm. or have you had? All right, so what, yeah. you, what do you think is like the United States or the Americans, America's perception of you, I guess, in terms of being Asian, specifically South Asian? Because I know from personal experience that like usually East Asians are the poster Asians, mm. and those are like the only way people recognize us in a way. And like, you, yeah, you know what's so interesting? I was, I've been doing a lot of like Asian American panels and I, I did a whole piece, I did a 10 minute musical about the Asian American experience. And um, in some places I feel like a fraud because I growing up never identified as Asian American. I, I identified as brown, right? I, or what other folks identified me as brown. And I actually had recently, I was, so I wrote this musical about, um, it's a 10 minute musical for Wampak. Um, virtual musical festival uh, and it was about the Asian American experience um, through the grotesque representation and proximity to whiteness through the grotesque representation of Officer Thao. Um, and so it was interesting. I was telling one of my best friends who's not a, I mean, completely outside of the industry. She's an attorney just like killing it on her own. Um, uh, but her and I grew up everyone thinking that we were sisters or they would get us confused and we do not look like each other but we would just were two brown girls that would always hang out and be attached to the hip anyway so I was telling her about this musical that I was composing about the Asian American proximity to whiteness and she was like you consider yourself Asian American and I'm like why well, I'm I'm Bangladeshi and she's like yeah but you're brown and it was interesting like we, we are such a close rapport that it wasn't um I did not perceive it as her projecting anything on me. It was just like an honest and real conversation. And, and I do find it interesting. Like I never grew up identifying as Asian because I believe, uh, especially in my childhood, it was Asian is East Asian, but I am Desi is I guess more of what I would call it um, growing up. So, so I find, I found that to be um, really exciting though, to see like a, a a community building being being created however at the same time right like, like you look at um events that are talking about the asian american asian american pride or uh galas for asian americans and i can count on one hand how many south asians are represented or how many south asians are actually even there or awarded or even nominated um and that is uh, the same when it comes to broadway as well 
Yeah, so personally, I can relate to how you almost have imposter syndrome being Asian because of your South Asian identity. I remember I would only go by Asian because I felt like there's some inferiority for Indians compared to any Asian because of like some sort of just the way America perceives us, you know, as like the lesser successful Indians because there have been so many movies that portray or perpetuate that like Slumdog Millionaire where we're perceived as people that only are in poverty and can't be successful like, you know, um, East Asian families and Crazy Rich Asians or other movies where like they're seen as the more like model minority myth Asian, more mm-hmm. the more successful Asian. So it's, I kind of had a similar experience, but in a completely different manner. Um, can you talk more about how sort of that sort of translates into Broadway or the movie industry in general? <sighs> yeah, so it's, this, is a, this, is a, this is a sticky conversation that we are entering in. And the reality is that this conversation could drastically change within one year. You know, um, identity and identity politics uh, change so quickly. Like I said, even just like identifying as Asian Americans, what Asian American, I don't think I would of a year ago. I don't know if it was consciously because I am South Asian and that feels different, but there was definitely a differentiation. However, if you look at the UK, when you say Asian, they're mainly from all of my um, friends who are from the UK. When you say Asian, there's, they're South Asian. Is what, so it's like just such a, it's just a difference of, of what the semantics are and where you grew up and what came to be. Um, I don't know. It's so interesting, right? Like, I remember talking with some of my um, friends who are South Asian and they kept talking about themselves as brown, 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 brown. And, and, I, and I do say like, I, I did grow up considering myself brown, but I wasn't like, it was more of like, I'm Bangladeshi versus like, I'm brown. I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Other, and, and I feel like there's more pride in my identity that of course I didn't have growing up, um, especially growing up in the 90s. Um, but, but it's interesting. I was talking with some of my friends who were just like, just a couple years younger than me. And I said, so like, how often do you call yourself Brown versus DC? Which I thought that was really interesting. Also like, depending on where you are in, uh, South, the South Asian diaspora, it could be Desi or Desi or Desi. Anyway, so that's also, I've, <laughs> that, that's also like a different conversation, which I've actually, um, had some weird experiences with even that conversation um but and I was so I was asking him like what 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 is the difference and and I don't necessarily know this is just one opinion and it could 100% not be correct but I do believe that there is a shift after 9-11 there's a shift after 9-11 in terms of the identification of brown and um you know my my spiritual mentor her name is Valerie Kerr she wrote this book called see no stranger this is a plug for her because she's amazing um and I followed her essentially when she said maybe in 2016, she said, maybe this is the darkness of the womb and not the darkness of the tomb. And America just needs to be reborn again. Um, and she's a, a, a sick woman um, of sick faith and um, has uh, really personal experiences and created a documentary after hate crimes and followed um, families and interviewed families um, who were victimized of hate crime after 9-11. And I do believe that there is that connection. Now, I don't, I am not an expert enough to be able to articulately, articulately lay the foundation of why then the identification of so many South Asians started to become brown, but I have a correlation the, between the identity of being called brown after 9-11. 
Um, and, and I believe that, especially of my age and older, everyone has the experience who is South Asian. Everyone remembers the moment and everyone remembers the fear. Um, and I think that, that that's connected. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you don't need to be an expert just now. To be like, you're human, <laughs> like authentic, like Right, yeah. right. Just need to but, listen um, to my own thing. I like keep prefacing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive during 9-11, but. I, oh, my God. I know. It's, it's the difference in generation <laughs> crazy. But I remember I was walking with my mom across the street or something, and there was some woman just standing there. We were just minding our own business, and she points her finger at us and is like, you foreigner, and like almost choked her like I believe I told Zoe the story and it ended up being the reason for that was because she thought we were a terrorist Mm -hmm. or terrorists Mm -hmm. and I'm not even a Pakistani Muslim which is usually the correlation between that so Mm -hmm. I mean Indian Pakistan has always been like melded into one sort of Mm -hmm. region so I understand like how that fear for South Asians can be created and yeah do you think I don't understand it's just a lack of education but I hear what you're saying (laughs) Like, it really just goes to show how quickly people just create a sort of mindset mm-hmm. around a group mm-hmm. of people. Like, mm-hmm. you see the way people are looking at China because of corona. Like, <laughs> they're racializing it. Like, exactly. It's just another incident, not incident, but scenario where people are just stereotyping or blaming one horrible or, like, unfortunate uh, series of events on a yeah. specific race. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I have, I have stories similar... Um, of and experiences um, not where there was touching involved but um, yeah and, and you know and my family is Bangladeshi my family is Muslim I identified as Muslim growing up um, and I remember when I was in fifth grade when when 9-11 happened and I was in my classroom and I asked the question I said are me and my dad going to a concentration camp that was the first thing that came to mind we must have been learning um about the Holocaust in that particular class of why my brain went to there of just like, oh, this is what happens when people hate other people. Um, and I, and it, and it's, 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 it's so interesting and it's so sad because I think that I've been talking about this a lot recently with some of my friends. So I'm a little apprehensive to say this out loud, but um, I don't, I haven't quite formed formulated this quite yet but I do believe that as humans as like homo sapiens I don't think that we have evolved um, in order to meet the needs of a society I think that we are still uh, depending on our tribalism and our divisionism in order for survival Um, and that has not we have not evolved as a species in order to meet the needs and the equitable desires of what we want in the society and we can have these conversations and we can try our best um, and we but we have to actively push against i believe our nature of tribalism and sticking together um, in order to combat that instinct nature yeah for sure that's really astute yeah it's like a huge idea to formulate but um <laughs> yeah i'm not quite there so <laughs> yeah no of course like <laughs> but how do you think we can sort of start to combat that or like what is the first step like of course discussions are like the first sort of like introduction to that but it won't do enough or like create enough change so what are your thoughts on that 
of how to combat our human nature of not evolving of evolution. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know you 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 kind of brushed it under the rug, but I I do think the conversations are necessary and needed, right? Like when you the debate just happened last night, and I'm not sure if y'all watched it. Um, yeah. It was very hard to watch, <laughs> but it was just like the most exemplary nation and my opinion of how tribalistic we are of like now it's turned into our tribes of republicans and democrats right and we are going to hate upon and here's the reality i have so much rage that like i need help with understanding how to be compassionate and empathetic towards um a viewpoint that is uh dissimilar from mine but i do believe that these conversations need to be happening more and more often so we can um so the extremist uh, philosophies can start to fall away um, in, which, in which we can find a more perfect union. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I do believe that conversations and deep, meaningful conversations, once we get rid of um, the bipartisan nation in which we've all been indoctrinated into, um, can, can start to break away at that. Um, because we have to be very, very... Um, deliberate deliberate like if we believe you're going to if i'm going to believe that it is actually human nature for us to be tribalistic in order for survival i have to be very deliberate to go against that and that means deliberate in conversations that means deliberate in um people in whom i'm talking to um deliberate in my actions it has to be a choice every single day and the only way we're going to be able to make that choice is if we do it together and if we're having and holding each other accountable moved to the U.S. So seeing all of this, seeing the politics of this country, the bipartisan kind of like system that America has is very, <laughs> I would say it's quite like bombarding and chaotic because where I'm from, which I'm from Vietnam, it's not really um, a reality for me because Vietnam is, I would I think it's a communist country if I remember correctly. Um, and so like there's really no, I don't think there's voting involved or like you don't get to pick the party that you want to be in. There's just this one big party that you kind of have to stick with. Zoe here. I'm actually going to do a quick fact check based on my previous statement that I made about Vietnam being a communist country and not having any elections whatsoever because that is absolutely false. Vietnam is a one-party socialist state. And it does have elections both on the local and national level. And on the local level, people um, vote for the legislative body called the People's Council. And that's pretty much it. They don't vote for anyone else. Like there's no senators or um, anything like that at all, unlike America, which goes by a bipartisan system. And then the people also vote for the legislative body on the national level, which is called the National Assembly, but they do not vote for the prime minister or the president at all. Um, and so it's interesting to see, you know, like what you said about like tribalism and sticking with like a group. I think that I wouldn't personally, I don't know this from my viewpoint, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I just think like America is kind of stuck with that system because there's so much diversity. People have to find a certain group of other people to kind of like share their similar interests, similar beliefs. Combating would be it. I think rather finding a way to coexist. I wouldn't say combat, but I'd rather say like 
at some point in time, like not right now, right now it's very chaotic, but at some point in time, I think coexistence and being able to find like, okay, we, both of us are like, both of our groups have differing opinions and perspectives, but you know, that's that. And it, I think it does cause a lot of chaos, but I mean, like, I think there, I think there is some way to coexist. And, and when I say combat though, I don't mean to combat other folks. I mean, combat within yourself. Mm-hmm. So like the mm-hmm. internal struggle of what the, what the urge is yeah. to do and you have to combat that um in terms yeah, yeah I, mm-hmm. I agree with what yeah definitely yeah because our human instinct is to just survive and have our own <laughs> be the first priority so yeah completely understand but back to our like original topic <laughs> original topic <laughs> i remember that um during the panel you talked about an experience where you were at an aapi event or something and one of the people there had this story where they had to change their, I believe it was Southeast, Southeast Asian last name to an East Asian last name to get better gigs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind like, telling um, us? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my story, but, um, and so clearly I'm not also getting the, the specifics correct, but the sentiment of it being um, that the individual had to change their last name to their um, mother's last name who was east asian compared to their father's last name southeast asian um in order to get more meetings um and you know that you know that's a specific conversation within the um the east asian and southeast asian community which can be similar to the south asian community within the different south asian diaspora and the specific countries in that conversation so um and that's also interesting too, right? I, th- I actually found that really surprising when I found that out because I'm like, aren't we all, everyone clumps us in the same category too, yeah. right? So like compared, white folks will clump us all together, but you know, East Asian and South Asian, we're all the same. But then if we're going to have a conversation in the US within our own community, then there's a differentiation, which is like so interesting and confusing to me um, and then that makes me think like, oh, then is that like a type of like, oh, well, I'm going to take the power in my own specific identity because um, no one sees me as for my specific identity in this, you know, I'm just, I'm just posing that question. I don't know because it is confusing to me. I don't understand it. I think nationalism plays a little bit in like within the Asian community, there seems to be like, you know, like, you know, beyond the Asian community, like. Other folks kind of see us as like, okay, we're all Asians, yay, you know, and, um, but like, I think within the Asian community, nationalism does play a little bit. Um, and like, I would say from my own personal experiences, East Asians are kind of viewed as the more superior Asians. And by superior, I mean, these like East Asians are coming from countries like Korea and Japan and Korea and Japan are known for being like, developed countries and I'm not saying like other countries but you know they're known and so like mm-hmm. beyond the kind of like the, beyond the Asian community you know other folks kind of see Asians mostly as East Asians and East Asians are like known as the poster Asian and if you see I think in media I at least from my also like personal experience I tend to see more East Asians represented as like Asians kind of like you know the poster Asian in media um but then there's a whole conversation with like East Asian men 
who are yeah. not considered um, attractive in American mm-hmm. um, media. And so that's a whole different conversation. So like, I agree with what you're saying, but then I also challenge it because then there's just like nuances depending on what <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. So if we want to talk about medicine, if we want to talk about medicine where I, you know, my partner is a doctor, East Asian and South Asians are, com- are very represented in medicine. Like yeah. they, they don't necessarily need to be on the diversity board potentially just as throwing out there because they're very, very represented. So it really just depends on, and why is that representation happening? A theory is because of the 1965 Nationality and Immigration Act when you like to come over here to the United States because of the civil rights movement, you had, it was easier with an education. It was easier to come here with an education getting a master's degree or, and, and, and having that element. So there's like natural, there's like selection in what uh, folks are able to come to the U.S. Yeah. from specific countries in Asia that was, anyway, so like, yes, I agree with you, but I think it all depends on what field. It's so mm-hmm. nuanced and it's so separate. Yeah. Um, and I think we can make these overarching statements, which I just like, which like is going to, I feel like it's just going to change. It's going to change in six months, right? Like identity politics is like consistently changing. Right? changing so I do yeah. think it's so important which, which then I don't think we should not say that, but I do think it's important that we continuously um, have conversations. Definitely. Yeah, I think the conversations will help change a lot of things over time. Um, <laughs> you talked about like different fields. We kind of also seen like, I think mostly in like beauty and media, um, colorism kind of plays into it as well. Like other than like the hierarchy, colorism kind of like, mm is attributed to like hierarchy, like, you know, there tends to be uh, favoritism for people with, you know, lighter skin rather than people with darker like skin tone. Um, What are your views on that? As someone who's in the media um, industry? A hundred percent. I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm biracial, so have that also proximity to whiteness privilege as well in, in, in being biracial. Um, I think, I mean, it's so interesting, right? Like there's a whole big push in terms of lightning cream, specifically in India that is being pushed back, um, which is really, really exhilarating and exciting to see. But colorism is not just unique to the US as that being one example, right? Like colorism is everywhere. And why is that colorism? is that then just really colonialism in every single aspect, in every single country, really, that's just like infiltrated? I'm posing that as a question. I yes, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, and it's 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 so interesting. Like I I went to uh, Bangladesh and India um, the end of last year, and um, at least from my perspective of the, where I traveled in Bangladesh, like the um, colonialist uh, architecture was not prevalent, um, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like it wasn't as taken over um, as Mumbai, for example, and then you go to Mumbai and you see like the big arches that say like India established in. I was like, oh my, <laughs> oh my God. I was, I was so angry as we were like walking around. Um, and so it, that, right, isn't that all connected? Why is there colorism? It's because of colonialism, which is, which is so many Asian countries that are affected by colonialism. So, and then that's then we're just a product. We're all products of colonialism, whether you're the perpetrator yeah. or the, the victim um so it exists and it is so inherent uh in in every industry 
especially if you're going to be talking about then beauty. Yeah, definitely. Just connected to media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we kind of see, I kind of see like a running pattern with like, I mean, this is really obvious, but it's just like things in history, history are kind of like tumbling down now and it's really affecting us. I think one thing, I think that's why we're also having this conversation. That's why you're having conversations with people who are in like college and high school who are part of the Gen Z. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're Gen Z and, you know, I think that what, what are your hopes for us Gen Zs to kind of change, you know, different statements on whether it be colorism or, you know, kind of shifting the hierarchy um, in the Asian community. I think, what, what are your hopes? Because, you know, yeah. history seems to be playing a lot of things, you know, in like yeah, the yeah. shift in conversation and everything. Well, first of all, I am so dang inspired by y'all. Um, most, I mean, of course, I'm not gonna make huge generalizations. Most <laughs> of Gen Z's um, are, are super with it and are super uh, motivated to stay on top of information and educated and and have their voice be heard in a new way and take up space in a new way. Um, and it's so freaking inspiring because uh, I'm just starting to learn that now, right? And y'all are learning it at such a younger age and that means it's only going to create a better future. Um, and so I'm continuously inspired. What I, what I hope um, is, is, is the continuation to take up space and the continuation to put yourself in freaking leadership positions. Um, the questions that y'all are asking are inspiring millennials. And I believe that millennials are inspiring Gen X. No, where are we Gen X? Gen Y, whatever. The generation <laughs> yeah, before me. Gen Y, yeah. Gen X to Gen- like. Gen X is the generation. Okay, yeah. So millennials are inspiring Gen X. Y'all are inspiring millennials. And part of that inspiration is to ask questions always. Continuously ask questions. Why is it the way that it is? Why that is happening? And that's the only way we're going to change any systemic issues is to continuously ask questions. And I believe to be in leadership positions. Um, I'm having a lot of conversations with some of my friends who are millennials. And we are talking about, you know, when are we going to run for Congress? I mean, completely of different, different uh, fields. We're of complete different fields. And I believe like five years ago, it would be the question of like five years ago, people of our same age and of our same um, status in our field would be like, well, who am I to have to apply or run or apply for this job outside of my hierarchy or whatever it may be. And, and I do believe that we are getting inspired by y'all. Um, and so I hope that you continue to ask questions and I hope that you start running for political office when it is <laughs> of, of, I, I truly believe, and maybe this is me being a hopeful optimist. Um, I, I believe that if we start changing who the people are at the seat, then um, yeah. we can, that we can then trust, we can trust the system that was built if the people who are running the system are people who look like us and who have the interests of um, the whole journal American population. Or there's, even if it's not just an equitable, if there's equitable representation um, on every political seat in every leadership position, then we're gonna see, see systemic change. And so I don't care what age you are, if you're old enough to vote then you're old enough to run, I don't know. <laughs> Right? Like, let's do it. <laughs> Definitely.
Yeah, those Maybe you're not old enough for every position. I understand that. So you yeah. Can <laughs> yeah, but I definitely agree with how we have to keep questioning the system and like just be like inquisitive, I guess, and not settle for what we believe is the right yeah. way to go about things for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank Woo! you. Those are some oh. tough combos, y'all. <laughs> My yeah. goodness. You're going to send it to me before, right? Because I haven't really formulated a lot of my thoughts on some of this. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to come across horrible. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think we're, we're both, you know, students. So, you know, I think talking to you, we're, we're learning a lot about just like more mature, I think, um, viewpoints and just like learning from other people and talking to them. I think it's been extremely. You're you're so good. You're so good. Don't don't worry about your answers or anything. <laughs> we're we're the terrible ones. No. You're so good. No, y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. the only thing I will say. I don't know when this is supposed to go out, but um, I release. I'm just doing a plug, but I release a single this Friday, um, and then the whole album of Jeanette, the concept album, is going to be releasing October 16th. Um, so if there's any way of correlation or plugging that, that would be super yes. appreciated. Yes, <laughs> we're definitely going to plug that in. Cool. Well, we right. that, cool. 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 <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be like, let you know when it like comes out. Like We'll do all the plugging. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Want more of Dear Asian Girl? You can find us everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We're on everything. Can't get enough? Subscribe, follow, rate, review to get all the updates on the latest at DAG. Let us know your feedback and what we can do to improve. We also can be found on Instagram. Follow us at Dear Asian Girl to receive updates about our latest episodes and fun facts about the host. We'd love for you to reach out. DAG, Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to share the stories of Asian girls everywhere. For the Asian girl, by the Asian girl.